Welcome to the Nona Voices Podcast by Nona.fm. We feature the voices of the unique people that make up the Lake Nona community in Orlando, Florida. Today, we welcome Ron Clark, a resident and active member of the Lake Nona community. Ron overcame a huge challenge in childhood to become a C-level professional with over 30 years of developing businesses from startup to national expansion. Now, here's Ron Clark. Hello, Ron. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you, Curtis? Good. Good. So, um, I saw you pop up a couple weeks ago. You were uh, at Linda Travelutes. Uh, you were presenting at Linda Travelutes event, her leadership uh, group that uh, gathers on Friday mornings. And, and and your wife Kim Clark has connected us. Uh, you have a lot going on, and and it, it, what, I know there's one element that one to dive into on this podcast. Take it away. Okay, great. Thanks, Curtis. Um, you know, the, I do a lot of business consulting, sure. and over the last 35 years, I've built multiple companies. Um, and so I consult. Now I have a project I'm working on with the federal government, and I'm in the process of writing a book. And one of the things about this book, even though it's centered on business, there are some aspects of it that I'm drawing from, um, from my own personal life that appeal not only to business, but also to someone's personal life as well. And so in one particular chapter, I'm addressing self-image. Who's programming your self-image? And I think this is an important one for me because having a speech impediment, having something that other people can hear the moment I open my mouth, um, that's something that a lot of people deal with, whether it be um, uh, the way they talk, the way they look, maybe they have a physical disability or so forth. And there's a lot of folks that have allowed what other people have said about them to kind of program how they've turned out in life. Yeah. And so I address this in my book in, in this one particular chapter, and it's about who's doing the programming. Is it someone else or is it you? And it, and it just kind of popped into my head. If you remember the, the show Seinfeld from the 90s. Uh, Elaine was splitting up with a guy and he just mentioned she has a big head. Yes. The bird ran into her head. She just had all of the, her whole life. The rest of that episode was about her big head. Right. And, and she started to believe that. Yes. And, and even though other people were saying, you don't have a big head, she still believed that she did. One person told her that. And that's kind of my story. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a pretty rough neighborhood outside of Philadelphia. And for the first few years of my life, surrounded by a loving family, five brothers and sisters, all older than me. So I never knew that I had uh, something different than everyone else. I didn't know that I spoke differently. No one told me. And it wasn't until I went to school that I started being teased and bullied. And we didn't have programs like we have today. Right. Um, it, it was just, it was brutal. And it would happen in school and happen outside of school. And I had a hard time reconciling why is it that I don't experience this at home, but I experience it everywhere else. And, you know, I remember a conversation with my mom saying that when I was born, the doctors had said, uh, because of this speech impediment, he'll, ha he'll be socially withdrawn. He'll be mentally slow, probably not very good in school, uh, and have a really difficult time interacting with others. He'll, he'll be withdrawn and want to stay by himself. And my mother was just completely committed to not, not allowing that to happen. And, you know, when you first hear that, that we used to do that, you say, well, that was awful. We shouldn't have done that. But it, it sounded like maybe it inspired your mother to say, here's what he needs to overcome. 
yeah. and, and equipped her to do that. It, it did, and you're talking about, you know, back in the 1960s, so there yeah. was no internet. There's no, no. Um, resources that Support we had Support groups were just not a thing. Nothing. Yeah. And then I'm also dealing, my mom only had an A3 in education. She was born in 1926. So by the late 30s, because of the depression, the leftover results of the depression, she had to go to work to support her family because her father had died. So it was just all sisters in the family. They all had to work. So my mom's education stopped in eighth grade. Now, here she is about to take over the education of a child she's been told is going to be slow. And so she didn't believe that. So she got a dictionary started getting some basic words and some definitions. Then she uh, drew from my father, who had a background in math, um, to be able to do math flashcards with me. So as a result, by the time I was in first grade, I had a fourth grade reading level and math level. So she Amazing. she took it upon herself to propel my education beyond where most of the kids were. And so even though I had that, I still would rather take a B or a C than an A than to raise my hand because I knew that I would get teased if I raised my hand and I talked in class. And so that went all the way through school. It never stopped. I mean, it was constant until I, you know, was about 16 years old and I contemplated taking my life because of this. And I know there's a lot of people out there who especially teenagers. Oh, yeah. And right now. Who are in a situation like this right now, who are thinking there's no way out. Fortunately, I found a way out. um, And I'm so glad I did because I would have missed the next, you know, 42 years of my life being married, having a family, uh, being here with you on your radio show, (laughs) (laughs) the highlight of my day to day. Um, but, but, But seriously, I would have missed all of that had I allowed myself to make that one fatal decision then yeah. and uh and so when i got to high got through high school and i went to college i really wanted to go to college but i was afraid i was like oh geez i'm gonna go through this on a larger scale but there was nothing all, everybody i ran into was really supportive they were all there to get an education and so the environment was completely different and i had a hard time adjusting to that because i was still living with the belief that I was so different that I should not be talking. So I really never volunteered for anything in college, never raised my hand, still had that attitude, I'll take a B rather than an A if I can stay here and say nothing. And it wasn't until I left college that I realized, wow, I, I, I ran into some folks who were really uh, supportive of me. Um, and, and so it, it really helped me develop like a three-step system that I outline in my book that I have coming out. Um, and there are three really important steps to kind of overcoming this. And the first one I'm going to start with is family. Um, my family was there for me. That was a safe environment. Yeah. And I don't think kids today understand how much their families really want to help them. They see mom and dad as some, you know, distant adult that takes my phone away, takes my freedom away and all that stuff. The enforcer. The enforcer. And and they don't realize how much their families love them and how much they care for them. And giving them that opportunity to be supportive and not push them away and not turn them away. And I did that. I pushed my family away in my teen years. Um, and, and realize, wow, how detrimental that was because they were there trying to help me through a very tough time. And when I finally did turn to them, it was the reason why I didn't take my life, uh, why I didn't kill myself. Um, and I think the second thing for me is I was fortunate to have a lot of mentors uh, yeah. in my later going into my 20s. Yep. 
And um, so in business, I ran into people who were not going to allow me to use my disability as an excuse because they saw something in me that I didn't see, and they drew that out of me. And I remember the first time I ever spoke in front of a large audience, I was actually tricked. Um, the person that trained me knew that I knew the material, knew that I knew this presentation, but I had never done it to anyone other than one-on-one. And so on this one particular evening, he handed me the microphone, and I had to go out on stage in front of 400 people in a hotel presentation in Maitland here in Florida, and, and terrified. I cannot remember anything that happened other than when I was finished and I turned around, People were clapping. And how long ago was that? I was 23. Wow. So that's 35 years ago. Okay. Wow. And, and I remember as soon as I heard all that clapping, I thought, I like that a lot. I, I'd like to do that every day for the rest of my life <laughs> because I never experienced that before. This was a that... total 180 degree different reaction than I had ever received before. Wow. And and that was so reaffirming that wow, these these people that I'm meeting now, these mentors, they're right. What they're telling me is how my life can turn out is is a reality versus people who were probably not happy with their life when I was a kid and took that brutality out on me. And so it was it was a chance to turn my life around. Um, and I took that chance and it led me to, you know, where I am today. And, you know, finally, I would say with the support of family and friends, uh, along with what I learned from my mentors, really led me into self-development. And so, you know, Tony Robbins, uh, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, all of those people who are phenomenal at, at self-development, that's really where those, all of this led me to realize I'm not who other people say I am. I am whoever I say I am, and I make the decision of how that life turns out. And that, that's a message that, to me, as I'm writing my book, it's very important that I get out, not only to business owners and entrepreneurs, but to the teenagers who are, oh, who, are yeah. who are coming up and realizing, hey, you know what? You're not the, you know, the high school loser. You're not the kid that's pushed into the lockers. That's not who you are. It happened to you. You'll have to deal with that. But that's not where life stops. You have an opportunity to go so much further if you decide to not let somebody else choose who you are and say who you are and then believe that lie. You know, back in the day, you you, you know, and the, and the kids don't understand this, but back in the day, we were in the car with cassette tapes. We'd have those plastic things, you know, and that's how you got those self-development talks a lot of time. Right. But these kids today can YouTube something. There's a lot of inspiration out there in, in that self-development. There really is, and I, I don't think that we encourage that enough with them. We no. have them watching YouTube videos of cats and dogs and, and yeah. other stupid things that have absolutely nothing to do with helping them build their self-esteem. Uh, in fact, I've seen some videos that my son and my daughter have watched that seem to me like they're tearing down your self-esteem. Oh, yeah. They're, they're diminishing, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. you're and, evaluating and, yourself. And, you know, we could go into the whole um, – 
side of this of social media that I think some of it's almost kind of designed to tear down and be defeatist. It, it is, and I, you know, I, and I guess my message is is. You know, you don't have to live in the shadow of someone else's opinion. Yes. You know, and you don't have to accept the garbage in your life that someone's trying to feed you. You you decide what goes into your head and what you believe ultimately, and uh, and I think everybody has an opportunity to do that if if they find the right people to surround themselves with, uh, meaning family. They find mentors, and then they make a decision. Hey, I want to I want to learn a different way than what I believe. You know what I may believe about myself right now is not. True true and uh, you know especially when i think about some of the children being i saw one the other day at public somebody was pushing these kids up against the wall and i could see the sadness on the kid's face and they all walked away afterwards but that child is going to go home and now is he going to tell anybody is or is he just going to live with that and start to realize hey you know what i'm i'm really worthless or is he is he going to dig himself out of there and he has an opportunity to do that Wow. So you're putting together this book. Um, When do you see it being available? Um, My wife is pushing me very hard. She's my publisher. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Very, very bad idea to have the woman. Kim Clark. Kim Kim M. Clark, my wife, uh, is also my publisher. And so you, if you ever see any shirts that I'm wearing, you will see her footprints on the back of those shirts. Uh, where she's pushing, so, pushing me hard. So we're, we're looking at sometime towards the summer having it done, and then we go through editing and all the other processes. It's a, it's a long process once you're done the writing. Yep. Yeah. So Marie and I, are, I, can, I can relate to you on this. Marie and I are, are co-authoring a book together. So she has parts of it. I have parts of it. And then we've co-wrote a lot of it and kind of merged it together. But, yeah, I have some 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 footprints on my back as well to, to come and get moving where is the you know i need this chapter i need that the editor needs this and so yeah i can understand that process and that we're waiting is in fact we got a box yesterday and she ran the car and opened up and it was a big box we threw it in the back of the suv and she opened up maybe it's books no it's not books but so we're that close too so i can understand where you're at yeah that, so. the, in that process and being working with your wife and being pushed so it's good. good. So maybe, maybe someday we can go have coffee and cry together you know, right. for a little while. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you sharing this message. And uh, I think we're going to be talking more as your book comes out later this year. We'll definitely have you back. I appreciate it. Super. Thanks so much, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Nona Voices podcast by Nona.fm. We feature the voices of the unique people that make up the Lake Nona community in Orlando, Florida. You can subscribe to the Nona Voices podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartMedia. If you have a moment, please share the Nona Voices podcast and give us a review. Thank you for listening to the Nona Voices podcast by Nona.fm.